Welcome to the Social Pros Podcast, the content marketing awards winner for best marketing podcast. This is where we shine the spotlight on real people doing real work in social media and learn the social secrets of the world's most interesting brands. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your social better. Emma, which provides innovative email marketing tools that drive brilliant results. Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers with integrated solutions for social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. And Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors. With Yext, update your location data once and publish it to your website, apps, over 100 publishers, including Google, Apple Maps, Facebook, Bing, and Yahoo. That's the power of location. That's Yext. Your Social Pros co-hosts are Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud and Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am your host, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined again by my pal, my co-host for now a long, I don't know how long we've been doing this show together. Many, many moons. Many, many moons. Almost a year. Almost a year, exactly. Almost a full year, which is like 50 plus shows. He is formerly a social media guru for Coca-Cola. He is formerly a social media guru for Dell. He is now the executive strategist for Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and he is, ladies and gentlemen, my special Texas friend. He is the one, the only, Mr. Adam Brown. Hi, Jay. How are you? I'm pretty good, man. Good. Uh, it's been a nuts week. Uh, as All we those Pokemon are... monsters you've been Oh, my God. You know what? I... I I was in Vegas last week uh, with my son right after the launch, or at least when I learned about it. And, uh, you know, you sort of get sucked in. The problem is I live out in the woods. So unless I'm going to pay for a lure, which I'm not because I'm an adult man, uh, there's not a lot of Pokemon, Pokemon characters out Poke here I. in the woods. I, I have to, like, literally go to town, quote unquote, uh, to capture monsters. And, and that's not something that uh, I'm looking to do. But I travel so much that when on the road, you know, you got to get your full of the monsters mm-hmm. yeah i'm curious i'm curious about this a because this is the kind of in quotes summer phenomenon i think for summer 2016 but as social media professionals like like we are and like our guest is it's going to be very interesting to see how this impacts what we do both as the pokemon game itself but also as the whole idea of geo uh becomes more and more pervasive well no question and they say that they're going to start ruling out sponsored, uh, you know, sponsored locations, sponsored yeah. gyms, all that. And so the monetization scheme is in full throat. Uh, and as I said on a Facebook Live video, I have a new Facebook Live show that I'm doing a couple times a week called A Real Live Bear. And I mentioned on that show a few days ago, like Foursquare has got to be kicking themselves in the head right yeah. now, sitting in their conference room like, damn it, we were so close. We had we had more than half of this idea, mm-hmm. just didn't have the AR layer on top of it and and things could have turned out much differently i i completely agree i think there are a lot of a lot of companies that are that are saying the same thing but i think we are going to see a cottage industry of pop-ups uh that are going to try to emulate this because i think the good news about it is the technology stack is not that complicated if but if but if you can tell this is what pokemon says and this is really what we talk about each and every week it's all about the story and it's about the the creativeness of the idea and that's where i think pokemon has, has succeeded yeah, definitely, because you have the story. And and also, I think just from a launch standpoint, you have this huge group of people who who grew up with Pokemon offline and sort of had familiarity with the characters and the and and the concept and the ecosystem. That that really helps. But, you know, I was saying this to somebody yesterday, you know, augmented reality has been around for a long time. I mean, years and years and years ago, we worked on a project for Atlantic City Tourism, uh, and the idea was that you take your smartphone app and you, you point it at a building and it shows you what that building looked like hundred years ago and the founding of the boardwalk and those kind of things. I mean, that, that technology is not terribly difficult to implement, as you mentioned, but none of that has really ever taken off other than just sort of niche mobile apps. And I think what AR needed was some sort of breakthrough so that people who are not nerds are like, oh, this augmented reality thing's pretty cool. We should all do that. And I think this is just going to be the, uh, the, the, the crack that explodes the dam. I suspect that we're going to see a ton of these kind of layer effect games and applications. Uh, 
really soon. I'm looking forward to personally uh, the AR revolution in sports. I would love, love, love to be at a football game, um, Indiana University football game, and be able to hold my phone and point it at the field. And it shows me real time stats for that running back, for that receiver, for that quarterback, etc. That kind of thing. Uh, would be really spectacular. Yeah, that, and you're exactly right. That that is that's going to be the next kind of generation of, of this. Uh, it's that actionableness of 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 a great idea. You can have a great idea, you can have a great story, but that's where it becomes meaningful. And imagine being able to sell advertising on the bottom of that. Uh, so you're looking at that wide receivers numbers, and then there's an ad for Budweiser, which with one click you can order the hostess to uh, to bring you one to your seat. Yeah. Well, and 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 it's another another reason to push people to make mobile devices their first screen instead of their second screen. There you go. Because you're certainly not carrying your laptop around your neighborhood trying to capture Pokemon monsters. Uh, you know, even if you've got a MacBook Air, uh, I think you're definitely using the mobile device. And actually, our guest today, uh, I suspect, could do some pretty cool stuff with this kind of technology uh, in his locations. He is Sebastian Quinn, who is the director of digital marketing for Hard Rock international sebastian thanks for being on the show absolutely thanks for having me jay and adam and uh it's an honor to be on social pros i appreciate it oh it's our absolute pleasure to have you uh i think everybody who listens to this program has heard the name hard rock probably everybody uh, has been to some sort of a hard rock uh, location in some context but i think it would be useful for you to describe for our audience the totality of your empire because it truly is that when you start to add up all the different tentacles there's a lot more going on than what some people might surmise could you describe that for us sure that you make it sound intimidating but we like we like the empire reference so um yeah so um hard rock international really consists of three main business units within it. Hard Rock Cafes, as most people are familiar with um, and probably have a little deeper history uh, from our roots back in uh, 1971 in London. Um, but really, uh, today we sit across 69 countries, which when we look at uh, you know other global brands, I think folks like maybe Starbucks and Coke are probably the only other ones um, that can really rival that swath or that global presence. So, um, But yeah, we have almost 200 properties around the globe now, 160. 64 cafes, uh, 23 hotels, 11 casinos. Um, you know, certainly probably one of the most globally recognized companies and brands in the world. Um, you know, I think uh, probably our story and our heritage is obviously one of the strengths of the brand. You know, we started obviously uh, in London in 1971, where we were the first real classless restaurant at that time, where they were in a class system where, you know, folks, the blue collars and the white collars could really come together um, and in, enjoy a good time over a good bite to eat. And um, the brand's really grown from there. So um, today, as it sits, you know, uh, the cafe business is obviously expanding around the globe. Um, our hotel portfolio with 23 current hotels around the world um, is growing very fast, and that's an exciting part of the business to work on. Uh, and then obviously the casino side of the business is kind of the wild card um, and really gives us um, kind of additional uh, assets um, as we look at growing the brand brand globally. So um, yeah, Hard Rock International, it's a, it's a great brand. It's a healthy brand, um, and it's certainly uh, an honor to be able to, you know, help grow and lead the digital strategy for us uh, globally as we uh, as we look at expanding even further. Because it's such a far flung enterprise, not only with different types of businesses, uh, casinos versus cafes versus hotels, but again in in you know nearly seventy countries. How can you achieve some measure of consistency, both in tone and execution, from a centralized corporate role? How do you, how do you sort of keep people in line? What is the governance system, if you will, uh, for such a large group of uh, of locations? Certainly, yeah, definitely. Probably the biggest challenge we face on a day to day basis, um, you know, either filling a hotel room or selling a burger in in North America versus Asia or Europe or Africa are two totally different strategies and and ones that need to be approached and, and respectful of the local markets and the, uh, the the consumer habits in each of those markets. So it's definitely uh, a challenge for us. Um, again, something that we try and refine on a daily basis. Uh, but in general, you know, our job is to you know obviously to protect the brand. 
brand and to help grow it. But um, so we really, you know, create guidelines or the rails around um, certain strategies, platforms, um, so that the folks that are in the local markets, the ones that are actually executing it, kind of know where those boundaries are. Um, and then obviously within that is a lot of best practices and a lot of recommendations um, from the brand that we also, or that obviously we encourage our um, local markets to localize uh, to make sure it fits their consumer uh, and their strategy wherever they may, uh, may be throughout the world. Do each of the cafes have their own suite of social presences? They do. And we've actually, that's interesting. We've, we've debated this for a while, especially as the portfolio continues to grow. And, you know, we see even just looking at the cafe side of the business with 164 locations, um, all of our cafes have at least a Facebook, a Twitter, and an Instagram account. Uh, you know, so you're looking at 400, at least 400 different accounts to manage. Um, and we've always had that internal debate. Do, do we pull it back into a centralized um, support model or do we keep it um, kind of the hub and spoke model which we're currently at and um, at the end of the day what we feel and what we the feedback we get not only from uh, our team members around the world but also our fans around the world is that the experience and the the properties at each of those local levels really are unique we're not cookie cutter by any means and you know anyone who's been in any of our cafes hotels or casinos lately um, has really seen that and um, it starts with the look and feel of the actual buildings themselves, um, how they're um, decorated and how they're um, really put together inside and out. There really are unique animals in themselves. And we, we think that the social channels are really the best outlets for those local teams and those local markets um, to not only tell the story of the brand globally, but also what that means locally. Um, so, f- you know, for instance, you know, when you're in Times Square, it's a very um, uh, tourist and travel heavy market. Um, and then you get into some of the smaller cities like in Indianapolis, which is just north of you there, Jay. Um, it's a different, certainly a different um, comp set and certainly a different strategy in terms of, um, of hitting their numbers and, and ultimately hitting those KPIs. So do you have a, a, a digital person embedded in each of the cafes? So the digital responsibility, which obviously inclu- includes social, really falls onto the sales and marketing managers um, or vibe hosts um, on the hotel side of the business, the people that are really in charge of setting the moon, setting the ambiance, and the experience every day at that property. So yeah, they're the ones that are hands-on with our tools, um, everything. Um, again, a lot of it or a lot of the baseline stuff may be done here uh, from the, our global support center in Orlando in terms of, you know, uh, baseline website, copy, SEO, all of that. But in terms of localizing content, localizing messaging uh, for either local or global programs, that all gets done at the local level. And, um, you know, it's an opportunity, but it's certainly a challenge too. Um, as any business, we, we get a bit of turnover uh, in the field and, and trying to keep all of the folks that are the ones actually pushing the buttons, pulling the strings, communicating with our fans, you know, keeping them armed with, with the correct tools, um, the, the correct t- content and the correct support is certainly a challenge and something that um, is fun to work on on a daily basis um, and something that you really kind of always got to stay in front of because you can't really let it down knowing that the business isn't stopping our consumers aren't stopping, our fans aren't stopping. So um, yeah. it's definitely interesting to, to keep up with. I'll let Adam talk, uh, talk to you about email in just a second, but I wanted to ask a specific question about Instagram. One of the things that you told us uh, in the pre-show was that Instagram is a very effective channel for you and that visuals tend to perform really well for all of your different properties. Uh, why do you think that is? And, and, and do you build calls to action into those visuals or is it more fan engagement and motivation and ratifying their decision to love the brand? Yeah. So, so again, hospitality, whether it comes to food on the cafe side of the business, live music, uh, retail from our, um, our classic collectible fashion lines, um, you know, all of that is really its own unique animal. And, and the, the visual aspect, obviously, uh, of Instagram is something that, not, you know, we do a great job of, or we try to do a, a great job of uh, conveying those experiences. But ultimately, our fans are really the ones capturing, creating, capturing those experiences on their own channels, sharing them out with us. Um, so, you know, again, it's no secret that Instagram sets up very well for the hospitality industry, from food to beaches to pools. It's really the, the, the sexiness, the fun stuff. Um, so, so a tool like Instagram is certainly the best way for us to um, expose uh, people that 
uh, maybe have never experienced a hard rock before or maybe have misperceptions from experiencing it as a, maybe a kid when they were younger and their parents may have taken them to a location. So the visual aspect of Instagram is really what keeps it at the forefront um, in terms of channels for us. Um, and when it comes to KPIs, we really try and actually stay away, especially on Instagram, um, from having sales-related messaging in there. Our goal is um, to really sell the experience around the hard rock brand and to increase the relevance of the hard rock brand, um, especially as the millennial generation comes up and they're getting, you know, more spending power and they're, they're really be, um, they're the ones that are helping push the narrative around our brand. We really want to make sure that they have uh, an, an updated and authentic experience um, and, and perception of the brand um, so that so the brand will continue to grow. So we definitely try and stay away specifically on Instagram with the sales related messaging. Now, that's obviously not saying that cafes or hotels aren't, you know, showing pictures of food or hotel rooms and encouraging folks to, you know, um, book a stay or, or to come in and to dine with us or to uh, visit our retail outlets. Um, so yeah, definitely more on the awareness and relevance side of the business and less on the sales side as we look at a platform like Instagram. And my guess is any anybody who's in brand marketing or, um, or, or even you know, marketing brand communications has to be envious of a brand like Hard Rock because it is just, it's so it's just so ubiquitous. And I mean, I, I can remember uh, my first Hard Rock Cafe t-shirt that my mom and dad brought me back from a, from a trip to Chicago or, or maybe it was New York. And, and that was such a coveted part of my entire wardrobe. I mean, that was the shirt at the time. And any brand who's been able to, to do things like that, I think is, is so impressive. I'd love to hear kind of a, taking kind of the Instagram story one step further. Um, are you guys doing or considering doing anything kind of in the moving visual world? I think we can certainly recognize how important visual social is, as you said, for telling the stories of what your brand is about, the celebration of your properties, the celebration of the food, the celebration of the fun. What about the, the Periscopes, the Facebook Lives and things like that? Have you considered that or have you been testing anything kind of in and around that space? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we've been dabbling uh, mainly in Facebook Live at this point. Um, so, you know, obviously, historically, if you look um, at the social and digital presence for our cafes and hotels, we have obviously the largest audience um, of fans in, in on the Facebook platform, a little north of about 12 million across the world. Obviously, you know, number of fans and followers doesn't mean too much anymore uh, in terms of organic reach and the ability you have with, with advertising on those platforms. Um, but yeah, Facebook Live is definitely something we've tested out. We actually just uh, last month finished up um, uh, a program called Hard Rock Rising, which is a global battle of the bands that we do in um, each of our markets uh, throughout the world. And each of those markets um, live stream the final battles or performances that were in their cafes or their live venues. Um, and we actually saw a lot of great um, engagement and a great feedback from our fans um, while we were doing that. So um, we've tested it as well. We actually were lucky enough to have some cool artists and, and music Musicians roll through our corporate headquarters about once a month or so, um, and they'll do kind of a lunchtime lobby session where they'll jam out. And so we'll, we'll find cool experiences like that um, within the brand to leverage stuff like Facebook Live. Um, you know, I think one of the first learnings for us was platforms like Facebook with the algorithm really promote content like Facebook Live as uh, much more than they would uh, maybe just as a simple, simple on-demand video you would put up. Um, so when we looked at the engagement numbers we were getting out of our efforts, even though it was, you know, a simple maybe 10-minute video or 15-minute video, um, we were seeing 10, 15-fold engagement on it. And we really kind of was that, you know, aha moment of Facebook is telling us that this is the type of content that they're going to um, get more organic reach for us and we're going to have to spend less money to get in front of a larger audience. Um, so it was certainly um, something that we've kind of um, doubled down on and on, on our um, content and um, uh, schedule in terms of uh, incorporating more Facebook Live experiences. When we first did it, it was interesting. We actually had some internal questions and, and not necessarily pushback, but just um, you know uh, internal learnings of, well, we don't want to share the experience of what's going on in our four walls with people outside of the four walls because we want them to come in. And you know, as we talked more through with our management team, 
telling them, no, this is really, we're selling the experience that is going on in the cafe to folks that could either be outside nearby or maybe even in a different city and planning a vacation or planning a, uh, a party or something that where they would come through a hard rock. So um, obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot of issues still, or not issues, but things to work through in terms of user privacy. So if um, we were at one of our hotel properties and we wanted to walk around the pool or the beach on a sunny day and kind of expose the cool experiences that are going on at the property level, you know, there may be other guests in the background of the video that may not want to be on that video. And so there's definitely, you know, a slippery slope there of making sure that um, we're doing our job um, in terms of figuring out where and when we're actually going to do stuff like Facebook Live or a Periscope. Um, and, and then obviously, you know, the quality probably isn't where it's, most brands would like it today, having to do most of it on a mobile device. Um, but at the same time, it's getting better. And I think in general, I think consumers don't expect a full-on Hollywood production when they're um, rolling through their feed and they're seeing um, live video stream through Facebook Live. So, you know, definitely something um, that we're going to be doubling down on, as I mentioned in our content uh, calendars, both on the cafe and the hotel and casino side of our business. And I think ultimately, especially, you know, we're in a world obviously now where you don't have to travel to Tokyo anymore to get a shirt that says you went to Tokyo. So really being able to share that unique experience in the opposite side of the world with a fan that wouldn't maybe never be able to get there is something that that our fans have shown they really like, they engage with, and and they want to see more of. So um, we're excited to kind of continue to do them and learn more more. And I'm sure by the time we think we're getting to a point where we're comfortable with it, we'll get another shiny object uh, that we get to figure out. And, and I think certainly with, with a recent uh, example of, of, of an event that you, you put together, you saw the passion and the enthusiasm of your fans. And you also saw where Hard Rock Cafe as a brand and, and, and hotels and, and other properties has really, the brand has permission to do something pretty spectacular. And that was the, uh, the Orlando Unity Concert, which I know you guys put together and just literally uh, a couple of dozen hours and it had a tremendous impact on something that uh, that benefited the uh, the Pulse nightclub, which I know is, is very close to your uh, world headquarters in Orlando. Can you tell the story of kind of how that came to be and and just the amazing success that you that that, w- that emanated from that uh, being and certainly some of the some of that being the benefits uh, to the, the nightclub survivors. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, certainly the, the, probably the epitome of probably the biggest team effort I've been on, on short notice to, to be able to execute something. So, um, you know, we were obviously saddened and sickened by, you know, the Pulse nightclub shooting, which happened kind of here in our backyard in Orlando, Florida. Um, and, you know, the, the probably easy thing would have been done or would have been to, you know, get out our checkbook and just stroke a check to, um, one of these, these funds or, or to find ways to support the victims and their families and the community itself. Um, but we really wanted to put, you know, our spin on it. And at the core of our brand is music. You know, it touches um, anyone that visits any of our cafe, hotel, or casino, or live venue properties knows that. Um, and so we really wanted to say, what can we do? How can we help have music help heal and, and ultimately help support monetarily um, the funds that are being set up to help the victims? So um, literally, on about four days from a Friday through the following Tuesday, um, we our, our music marketing team was working relentlessly to find artists that would literally show up to not even get paid for their time um, that could come actually get into Orlando in a timely way um, to where we could sell tickets and ultimately donate a large um, amount of money to um, to the One Orlando Fund. And so, um, luckily, the brand has a lot of great artist uh, and band relationships, um, and so through. Through that, we were able to have um, Imagine Dragons. We got them literally in about 48 hours. I'm sure their tour managers were hating us at this point, um, but we got them all to pick up what they were doing, fly to Orlando. Um, we had about three or four other artists on the bill. Joey Fatone was there to do a little uh, MC, uh, MC for the evening. Um, so there was a lot of artists that showed up donated their time, uh, you know, and ended up being 100% of um, all of the ticket sales uh, for the evening went to the um, One Orlando Fund, uh, which ended up being, I think, over $600,000 or $650,000. So, you know, e- even in terms of trying to turn creative around and trying to turn a digital and social strategy around of how do we, A, help sell tickets, um, B, um, generate awareness for the event, um, and then C, ultimately drive a return, a donation, 
um, w- was a big challenge for us. And, you know, it's not as simple as just going to grab an, a, an image of Imagine Dragons and put it on an Instagram photo and say, hey, come out next Thursday to support us. Um, you know, there was a lot of obviously um, back and forth with the artists themselves, the teams locally in Orlando to clear the venue in order to make the concert to happen. But, you know, literally four or five days um, lead up time, we pulled off literally an epic evening that night. Um, it was certainly something that I was very excited to be a part of. I was honored to be a part of the team that put that together. And, you know, I think it really showed that, you know, as we were trying to run as quickly as we could, um, I think it really showed the power that social and digital, the flexibility that we have in terms of creating strategy, getting ads up quickly, targeting them to the right consumers. Um, I think it really showed value for our team and the larger organization. And um, at the end of the day, when you see, you know, the big check being handed over to the mayor of Orlando, um, it certainly kind of makes you tingle and makes you really excited to be part of a team that can pull that off. Absolutely. And yeah, as you said, it had to make you proud to be a a part of the organization uh, and even the team that that, that put that together so, so quickly. Um, I want to shift gears here a little bit and, and talk a little bit about what, uh, what Jay teed up. I know certainly social is, is a huge part of your marketing mix and your digital marketing mix. Another big piece of this, and this is very consistent, well, I think with brands in the hospitality space, is email because it's so pervasive and because that is a place where you mentioned on Instagram, you're probably not going to talk about deals and things like that. You're going to talk about brand. You're going to show the happiness and the enjoyment people are having in your properties. Email, you can tell a slightly different message and you've had a phenomenal level of success with email marketing. We have, and you know, a lot of that stems from from our loyalty program, our global program, which is uh, Hard Rock Rewards. So, you know, when we look at email um, as a tool, it's certainly our most effective channel. Um, you know, no surprise, obviously, in terms of the data that comes along with it, with that and the ability to personalize a lot of the messaging within that. But um, yeah, our email marketing team and the strategy within that has done a great job of you know dissecting the data that we have for our two million plus global loyalty members and really being able to offer personalized experiences and personalized communication for those members. So um, when we look at our global loyalty database, we have a a slew of different types or groups of people within that, young, old, all across the world. Um, Some people just visit cafes. Some people only go to hotels or casinos. Some go to all of them. You know, we have loyalty members that literally have been to, we don't even have 200 locations open right now that we have uh, guests or fans of the brand that have been to, I think, 225 plus locations locations, including closed ones, you know, over the last 45 years that the brand's been around and these people spend every vacation they have and uh, every a lot of dollars that they have to travel to hard rocks around the world. So the ability to really segment and target these folks with a customized, personalized message has really made email the most effective tool for us. And as I mentioned with something like Instagram or maybe even on Facebook or YouTube or some of our other social channels, those are really more around awareness for the brand and, and, and sharing out the cool experiences that are going on with the brand. And when we look at email, it's really on the other side of the aisle and we, we can really look at, um, you know, an ROI um, and we can really hone in on, um, you know, maybe someone's a collector of pins. Uh, maybe someone only eats hamburgers when they come into the restaurant. This person only stays in certain hotels around a beach or a family oriented um, location or property where they stay with us. So it's really such a diverse group of people that if we didn't have the data on hand and the ability to target within that, um, we would really be missing the boat and really just having a, a generic uh, message that, that we would be pushing out. So, um, you know, social in general, obviously, is moving away from a, a one to the masses to a one-to-one um, type communication. Um, and, and, you know, obviously targeting and stuff like, uh, you know, the Facebook advertising engine, that, that those are great for that and our email strategy really ties into that and really hones in on the, you know, this person may need to get a retail message versus a food message versus a hotel offer. Um, and our team's done a great job of finding um, not only the right communication to roll out to each of those, but also capturing the right experience to sell them in that communication, um, whether it be a retail purchase, whether it be a, hey, come on out and join the party this Friday night at the cafe or at the hotel. So um, certainly when we look at email, um, by far the most effective uh, tool we have in, in the toolbox. 
I mean, certainly on the casino side and the hotel side, I can see where you're capturing a lot of those user preferences uh, because it's very, very routine in those industries. Are, are you capturing diner preferences inside cafes through some sort of a card or a wait staff noting uh, what people order? How is that getting into the database yeah. uh, in a cafe environment? Sure. So um, if someone's an existing Hard Rock Rewards member and they come into our cafe and they make a purchase, either a food and beverage purchase or a retail purchase, obviously we can track that back to their loyalty IDs that are that are part of that charge. So that part of it's a little easier. Um, you know, it's certainly still a big challenge for us. I don't want to make it sound like we, we've figured that out by any means. And I know when it comes to that, to the data piece, that's a challenge still for a lot of big brands. Um, but yeah, so it, it really comes down to the check level detail when, when someone's making a purchase um, within our four walls. Um, and then ultimately, the other side of that is trying to get new members into the program, obviously, um, and then to start tracking their spends um, as they move forward. Fantastic. Well, speaking of email, what we use for email at Convince and Convert are our good friends at Emma, a terrific organization out of Nashville, actually, uh, uh, an area of the world that Mr. Adam Brown is familiar with. Uh, Emma has a really cool ebook that you should download called Your Brain on Email, The Science to Winning the Inbox. They actually took a different slant on this and, and did a bunch of brain science and a bunch of brain science studies really interesting facts about the human brain and how it works and then applied them to email design and email best practices to show you how you can make email that is more effective and more impactful. You can download it for free. Go to myemma.com slash jbear. Myemma, E-M-M-A, myemma.com slash jbear, J-A-Y-B-A-E-R. Thanks, Emma. Also, this week, the show is sponsored by our friends at Yex. We were talking about Pokemon Go as everybody is. And so let's say you're out trying to capture monsters and you're doing your thing. While you're doing that, you should use Yext's location scan app. Just toggle back and forth between Pokemon Go and the Yext location scan app. What does it do? You press the location scan app and it finds all the local businesses within your immediate geographical area and then shows where their data is incorrect or inconsistent across Yelp, Facebook, Google, Foursquare, and beyond. And then if you know that business or you're familiar with the business, you walk in there for a hot dog and be like, hey guys, by the way, I just captured a monster in the lobby. And did you know your local data is wrong? You should get that fixed. Use the Yext location scan app. Fantastic way to help any small businesses that you care about. Go to yext.com slash location scan, or just find it in the app store. Look for location scan. And last but certainly not least, this week we are sponsored by our friends at Salesforce Marketing Cloud, which still employ Adam Brown, to their credit. And look, we talk a lot on the show about paid. Uh, Certainly Sebastian is doing uh, paid promotion for uh, Hard Rock. All of our guests um, pretty much nowadays are doing some sort of paid advertising and social because, you know, you just you kind of have to. The free ride is over, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, if you listen to the show. And many people, including myself, are are buying ads on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, on Twitter and LinkedIn. In a lot of cases, you got to log into each of these platforms separately and have different ad accounts. And the whole thing is kind of a hassle. Well, Salesforce Marketing Cloud is trying to solve that. In fact, they have solved it with their Advertising Studio. Advertising Studio allows you to buy, sell, create, and measure ads in one place. Go to bit.ly slash advertising studio. That's bit.ly slash advertising studio to learn more. You will be glad that you did. Mr. Brown. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Jay. Sebastian Quinn, uh, Director of Digital Marketing for Hard Rock International. It is so great to have you on the show. What a great, cool job you have in the food, beverage, hospitality, and casino businesses. Oh, my gosh. I mean, just, just great stuff. I think anybody who has a pulse would be curious as to how you kind of got to where you are today. But I want to start back. I want to start way back. Uh, to a little town of Story, Indiana, where you grew up, because I think you have some really interesting stories to tell about your formidable growing up there in the metropolis of Story. Which is, which is only, only meters away from where I'm meters. currently sitting. Uh, well, maybe long, more than meters, but, uh, but a few short miles uh, from where I am sitting is the locally legendary yeah. Story, Indiana. 
That's right. So now, you know, I grew up in, in story population five, me, my brother, my sister, my mom and dad. Um, my parents bought the bed and breakfast there. Well, at the time, I believe it was a general store in 1976. Um, all, all types of war stories of growing up kind of in the backwoods of Indiana's. None of them involved an internet connection or cable TV. I can certainly tell you that. And I think that actually in, in an odd way kind of uh, propelled my passion and my interest when I did end up getting an internet connection and I did end up kind of tapping into the the digital world, you know, you grow up so long and what you feel is a little bubble sometimes. And then all of a sudden you have the world at your fingertips. It really kind of turned on a light bulb for me and a, and a passion for staying connected and to figuring out why things work the way they do online and why people interact with it. So, um, yes, good old story, Indiana. Um, it's, it's, it's funny to hear the, the, the reference, but, um, you know, Grew up in a family. The interesting part of my family is all of us kids have different last names. So just like you would pick a, a first name for your child when it's born, my parents decided to do that with our last names as well. Um, so certainly made a challenge going through elementary school and trying to figure out what my family tree was. I had a couple broken branches in between, but um, you know, being able to kind of grow up in such a you know almost pure sense, um, and, and then kind of. As the internet wave rolled on and, and as, you know, you look 20, 25 years down the road, um, I think, again, it's certainly really spun a lot of passion for me. And, you know, I think that's also what really kind of guided me into the internet world. And I never thought even kind of in college that you could necessarily make a profession out of it. Um, you know, my, my uh, degree out of Indiana University was on the sports marketing and management side of it. Um, and I was lucky enough to get an internship out of school. Uh, in Orlando, Florida for a company called Exos Digital. And um, my first day on the job, um, I was the fresh intern kid. And my boss came to me and said, hey, uh, we've been in this subscriber world um, revenue model for the last four or five years in terms of college sports fans buying monthly subscriptions to be able to access premium content. And we're going to pull up this thing called an ad server and we're moving to an ad model. And oh, by the way, here's the login, figure it out. Um, and so I'm sure at the time, I was kicking and screaming and, uh, you know, under my breath complaining, but it ended up being, you know, I, I figured out quickly that it was an experience and it was a, um, a skill set that was really valuable um, because even folks that were in the digital um, world at that run or had experience in it ad servers and, and the whole ad operation side of the business was really in its infancy. So um, I did it long enough to realize I didn't want to do it for a career, but at that point I kind of had at least got my foot in the door. And then, you know, obviously when the opportunity um, opened up at Hard Rock International to come on board to help um, lead and grow our digital strategy for Hard Rock International across the world, you know, I certainly jumped at that opportunity and, and haven't looked back since. I want to just go back for a second to this whole name thing uh, <laughs> yeah, because it, I just want we went through that pretty quickly and I just want to make sure I understand it. It sounds to me, Sebastian, like it's the reverse of George Foreman, right? So George Foreman yes. named all of his kids, George and your parents named you all different first names, but also named you all different last names. Correct. And it honestly, it, is it, that it, even it, legal? I thought that wasn't, that I thought is great. That is that, that is the first possible? question that I always get. Is that even legal? And the answer is yes. Obviously, my parents aren't in jail. Um, and surprisingly enough, I'm sure. Are you in the witness protection program? <laughs> because social media is the wrong career. If you I are. know, right? You would think so. But no, supposedly, at least in the state of Indiana, you can name your kid whatever you want at birth. Now, if you're going to change the name. Yeah, we can't buy that, beer. We can't buy beer on Sunday, but you can name right. your kid whatever you want. <laughs> so there, again, it would take, uh, I think, a bottle of wine to get through the full story, but it, it gets even even more interesting. So my dad only has one legal name, a la Madonna, Pele, any other one named. Your dad is a badass is what he, he is. He has one legal name too, which he'll, he'll kick himself now because it's not the easiest thing to book a flight nowadays with one legal name. So he has to end up jumping through all types of hoops. Um, but yeah, my dad has only one legal name. My mom still has her maiden name because obviously when she got married, there wasn't anything to take on. Um, and then you know, uh, three kids later, they're picking first, middle, and last names just because they like the way they go. And um, here we are. So, but, um, you know, but it, my father's uh, last name would have been Price. My mom's is Schultz. I got Quinn out of it. So I still think I, I uh, won the straw poll there. I also read that you finished second in a Red Bull Flugtag event. Is that true? 
This is true. So about that's three, a, I, real quickly, just to describe flutog to people who don't know what it is. So flutog, I hope I don't butcher this, is essentially flying day, uh, German for flying day. And so Red Bull puts on this competition every year where they pick a handful of markets around the world and they have teams enter designs of flying crafts. Now there's a handful of rules around, obviously you can't have a motor on it and all this, and it needs to be a, a very simple design that is manually or human propelled off about a 50, 60 foot edge over water and the craft device, the flutog that flies the farthest wins. And so about three years ago, Red Bull is one of our great partners here at Hard Rock. And about three years ago, we were sitting down with their uh, brand teams and their social teams. And, you know, obviously we, we don't have budgets to throw people out of space. So we went to the next best thing, which was, oh, you guys have flutog. Uh, National Food Dog Day coming up. Um, so we actually made a flying hamburger. So it was a flying Hard Rock legendary hamburger um, built from scratch. We had uh, some friends in the area who were in the boat building business build us this contraption. Uh, four guys pushing it, one pilot on top of the burger, and the top of the bun that the pilot was riding separated from the bottom of the bun and the meat and all the toppings as it went over the ledge. And it ended up flying, I think about 30 to 40 feet, which put us in second place behind some crazy MIT kids that flew out of the damn uh, Biscayne Bay in, in Miami. But it was one of the, probably the most fun activations we've ever been a part of, especially because we got to tie it back into the brand, but also just the experience and the camaraderie of trying to figure out how to build a flying hamburger uh, was was quite the uh, quite the experience. Now, Sebastian, was that separation uh, intended, or you know, of the the bun separation, or was there just not enough condiments on the hamburger to keep everything together? <laughs> no, that that okay. was by design. So. Uh, trying to get the weight of that entire burger to move anywhere except straight down off the ledge probably would have put all of our team members in harm's way as they would have been falling into the water on top of plywood and everything else we uh, we did to make the burger. So yeah, it was intentional. We had obviously the lightest guy up on top. And at that point, you're just holding on, hoping that you uh, come up for air once uh, when, once you hit the water. That, that is incredible. Well, well, I have one more question before Jay gets to, uh, to the big two. And to keep this uh, continuation of being off uh, off the, the key scope here. I'm going to ask you another question. We can call this the Hard Rock Trivia uh, question segment of the, the show. So as, as Jay actually mentioned, uh, along with one of our sponsors, uh, I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee. Had a good friend of mine when I was growing up uh, named Rob. And Rob had an interesting Hard Rock Cafe shirt that said Jackson, as in Jackson, Tennessee on it. And we all, of course, kind of scratched our heads. And I've heard so many urban legends, ur- urban myths about there actually being a Hard Rock Cafe restaurant in Jackson, Tennessee at some time. I know Isaac uh, Tigrit, uh, one of your founders, was indeed from Jackson, and a lot of his family still lives there. I'd heard that they had created a, a, a small restaurant there just to kind of establish copyright in the United States before they opened up the London store. I'd heard a lot of different things. So Sebastian Quinn, Director of Digital Marketing for Hard Rock International, I have to ask you, one of the great benefits, Jay, of, of us having the show, we get to ask you know, personal questions. What's up with Jackson, Tennessee Hard Rock Cafe? <laughs> well, I'm going to go on a limb here and say that I am pretty confident that there's never been an actual Hard Rock Cafe there, in there Jackson, is. There's Tennessee. Actually a, there's actually a Wikipedia article about it. Is there? All right, there you go. You stumped me on it. So um, again, lots of lots of history um, in the 45 years of Hard Rock. Um, as you mentioned with our founders, Isaac and Peter, um, one of the coolest things about, even if you go to the London Cafe today, where it all started in the, in the back room there, they still have his uh, SEC football pennants hanging on the ceiling. So if you ever walk into the back bar in, in London behind the Hard Rock Cafe there, you get a taste of, uh, of Jackson, Tennessee, and a little bit of the South, uh, um, which, which obviously Isaac. And came I think, from. You know, and, and maybe that's a perfect segue into into to Jay's last questions. But I think that's one of the amazing things about your brand is the analog versus digital, the the new technology, you know, combining with all those tangible things and the heritage of your brand. And I'm like, you know, brands like Coca Cola, which have been around for almost 130 years. This brand has been able to do this and to get to that level of prominence in just a few kind of short decades. Um, any, any thoughts on kind of where this is, is going to, uh, to lead uh, for, for, for your brand and, and kind of the, the things that you have kind of on the, uh, on the, uh, on the to-do list for, uh, for the next decade? 
Yeah, so it's obviously, again, 45 years this year um, since Hard Rock Cafe opened in London, and it's certainly a testament not only to the teams that have been here way before I was here, um, but the but the, the teams that are in place today. Um, you know, you as we look at, at our, our, our um, uh, future kaleidoscope, you know, obviously um, the cafe business stay, it, it continues to stay strong for us around the world. Um, really, the hotel side of the business is our fastest growing business unit right now. Um, with very aggressive plans we just announced in the last two weeks. Um, we're opening in London and New York City um, in the near future. So certainly it's going to be focused around hotels. Casinos, obviously, um, is a very big piece of that pie as well. Um, and ultimately, you know, um, I, I th- we were owned by the, the Seminole Tribe of Florida. I think they purchased the Hard Rock International brand, I believe, in 2009. And they really re-energized and, and gave us the tools to be or to, to the opportunity uh, to take advantage of a lot of, even if it's a simple licensing opportunity or even just to expand the footprint of each of our cafes, hotels, and casinos globally, where, you know, if you look back at most other quote-unquote themed restaurants um, or, or whatever category we would have fallen into when we opened up, there are very few to almost none of them around. If they are, there may be in a very uh, few number of locations you can probably count on one hand. So that certainly is a testament, you know, to the people that work on our brand every day, to our ownership with the Seminole Tribe of Florida. Um, and I think, you know, if we're looking down the year and or down the road and we're saying, where are we going to be in 45 more years? I think hopefully a lot of that opportunity for growth and for expansion um, sits on the digital side of the business. So obviously, you know, everything from online gaming is, is huge today. Um, there's obviously a lot of restrictions um, and regulations in place around that, but there's still a lot of opportunity for it. So um, if I had the crystal ball for 45 years down the road, I think it would still be a, a very healthy mix of global locations of cafes, hotels, and casinos, but also in, in augmented, and you guys touched on augmented reality at the top of the show, You know, an augmented digital experience or layer uh, for folks to experience that if they can't get into our locations or if they're not traveling uh, to still be able to experience the brand. Sebastian Quinn, Director of Digital Marketing for Hard Rock International and a fascinating personality from the wilds of South Central Indiana. Thanks very much for being on Social Pros. We're going to wrap this up with the two questions that we ask all of our guests uh, here on the program. The first one is, what one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro? That, this is a good one. So, you know, I, I think when I, when I look at this and even try and, and hone back on my own personal experience, it, my, my advice really is to, you know, jump in, get dirty, you know. Um, we have a saying, or I like to tell our team members, it's okay to get your nose bloody once in a while. And um, the ability for anyone that's looking to get into the social business or just the digital business in general, you know, you the ability to get in at the ground level or to get in anywhere, whether it be an internship or, a, or an entry-level job, and to really prove yourself and to prove the value that you can bring um, is really important. And I think a lot of us in the social and digital realm may deal with management or other departments or people within your organizations that don't come from a digital background or have Facebook on their uh, their own personal phone so they think they understand the, that side of the business. Um, I think anyone just to have really the, the tenacity um, to really jump in you really got to be able to live the lifestyle too. So, you know, I used to joke with my wife when Snapchat first came about, what are all these people doing? This is the dumbest thing ever. And obviously as it grew more and I immersed myself personally into the platform, I understood the consumer connection to it and why it was um, so different than even something like a Facebook an Instagram or other traditional social platforms. So, you know, you know, it may seem hard to find the opportunity to jump in, um, but you know, very similar to a sales world. If you can sell, every company in the world will let you come in and work for them. If you can show that you understand social from a business perspective and you understand how to tie social media to existing uh, business goals and to business objectives, um, any company is going to look for that type of person in their organization. So don't be afraid to get in. Don't be afraid to get dirty. Roll up your sleeves. You're going to get your nose bloodier once or twice. That's fine. I think I've heard you guys say before, if you're going to fail, you know, fail fast and fail forward. And those are great mottos. So I really think it's just being able to immerse yourself in um, and not look at it as a job, look at it as a lifestyle. And Sebastian Quinn, Director of Digital Marketing for uh, uh, Hard Rock International. 
completely agree. And, and, and certainly Jay and I both uh, believe in, in the fail forward philosophy. Last question for you uh, and is, is kind of an exciting one, especially with all of your experience and all the probably pretty important and interesting uh, performers and musicians that you've met over your career there at Hard Rock Cafe. It is if you could have a Skype call with any living person, who would it be? So I'm going to have to pull out my uh, Indiana Hoosier roots here and uh, and go with Mark ah. Cuban. So, you know, I uh, you know, I'm a fan uh, uh, you know, obviously I I guess I'm a little biased being growing up and being a Hoosier and being a graduate of IU and knowing uh, what Mark's done for the Indiana University community, but you know, on the surface, when I first, you know, started finding out about Mark Cuban and you'd hear about him and he was always kind of the loudmouth guy on TV and the billionaire rich kid. Um, ultimately, when, when you read up about him and when you, when you hear him, and obviously a lot of folks are familiar with him now from Shark Tank or from just being the owner of the uh, Dallas Mavericks, you know, he is the epitome of someone who, who is, is, passionate and he really lives that passion um our friends friends of the dan patrick show would say his passion bucket's full you know he's unfiltered but yet he's still fun and and ultimately if if you have that relentless um tenacity with you and you're not afraid to maybe make a few enemies along the way um you know i i that's what i like about mark you know he's a grinder he's probably the epitome of someone who got the right amount of luck with the right amount of smarts and was able to run with it. Um, I think he, he, I've heard him say before that, that no one likes a, a mean billionaire. And, and whether you like him personally or not, I think it'd be fun to, to, to sit down and kind of pick his brain, not only about the digital and technology world, but um, the sports world. I'm a big sports fan. So I think kind of his passion points are very similar to mine. And um, obviously we could share some uh, candy stripe stories of, uh, of Indiana Hoosier success as well. We got to go to a game this year. You got to come out and we'll go do that. All right. Well, next time I'm in uh, Bloomington, I'll, I'll be hitting you up. We can yes, grab a drink know. at Upland and head to a game. Yes, indeed. Uh, my friends at Upland, they're, they're my, my, best, uh, my best friends in this town, actually. So I uh, get to see those guys an awful lot. And they just opened, a, you may not even know this, they just opened a brand new, uh, super amazing pub in Columbus. It's really spectacular. I've heard I haven't been, so I'm looking yeah, forward to it. it's pretty great. All right, we'll make it happen. Sebastian, thanks so much for being on the program. It was terrific to talk to you. Congra- congratulations on all the success at uh, Hard Rock. Love what you're doing there. Thanks so much for the work uh, for Orlando in particular. It was really uh, an amazing accomplishment, and, and thanks for pulling it all together for sure. Absolutely. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Adam. Uh, I appreciate it, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. As a better announcer, we'll tell you in just a second. Remember that this show is every single week. We have more amazing practitioners like Sebastian on this show every single week. If you haven't had a chance to let us know how you feel about the show on iTunes, we would love if you did. If you love the show, great. If you don't like the show, I'd love to hear that as well. All feedback is good. Just go to iTunes, leave us a review. That would be spectacular. Until next week, I'm Jay Baer from Convince and Convert. He's Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and this has been Social Pros. Thanks for tuning in to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Emma, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Social Pros at marketingpodcasts.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by audiopad.com.